Coming up today on the Lead to Succeed podcast. Leadership um, to me is really, it's, it's an exercise of um, enrolling and really understanding and connecting with others first. Um, so it starts with the, the group or the environment that you're in and, and who you're showing up as in that environment. Do you want to learn the tricks that top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help lead to succeed. Picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 116. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Atwood. Alex is a serial entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience in the hospitality and staffing sectors and an emerging coach in the psychedelics field. He's also a public speaker, angel investor, podcaster, and philanthropist. He gained business acumen early on, starting with selling candy at a markup in elementary school and went on to found several companies, including Santa Staff and the Hospitality Training Institute. One of his significant accomplishments was pivoting his hospitality staffing agency during the COVID-19 pandemic, getting 75% of his workforce back to work in just 21 days. Alex, glad to have you on the show today. Naftoli, it's a pleasure to be here. And it's always it's always interesting to hear my bio read back to me. Yeah, well, <laughs> so thank you, you know, for that. <laughs> it's a pleasure. And of course, if you need any tweaks, we'll... Uh, We'll go back and redo that. But in the meantime, it's a very impressive bio, actually. And I'd love to hear more about your story. Sure. Um, why don't you walk us through a little bit of how you got to where you are today? Well, that's a pretty big question. So if we're talking about in terms of my uh, career, um, uh, I, I got here really in, in, in a few ways. So the staffing industry is something that you could say was in my blood. My parents actually met. Um, while my dad was running a staffing agency, my mother was working as a temp at the staffing agency. They met, fell in love, started their wow. own staffing agency. And uh, my grandfather came from the old country when there was a revolution there. And so he brought money in and he started a staffing agency. So at one point, I had um, an entire family full of different people that were doing staffing, which is essentially connecting people with jobs and, 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 and the like. So I grew up understanding that particular industry and um, came out of college vowing that I wasn't going to go into that industry and then suddenly ended up there. And so I, um, I, I really feel that it, it worked well for me in the sense that I very much enjoy people. I have always enjoyed making connections. Um, uh, you know, when I was a child, I loved to connect different friend groups with each other and, and, and find uh, ways that people could relate to each other. And then I kind of turned that into a career when I would look at um, uh, placing people into, into various roles and shifts and things like that. So it always, it always required lots and lots of discovery, um, uh, lots of trial and error. Um, I heard early on in my entrepreneurial career that uh, the most difficult thing in running a business is the people, is in the hiring. And so at some point, my family and then I decided that that was what I was going to take on. Um, and so, you know, challenges there, lots of fun there, I believe. Um, 
and uh, and through that i developed um what what started as a an executive uh coaching practice uh eventually turned into more of a holistic life and and well-being practice which i think serves me um not just in my um in my career but also you know in my personal life and 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 everything i mean after all it's all balanced i don't believe yeah. you put your life away when you're at work and you don't put your necessarily your work away when you're at life if 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 that even makes any sense so yeah, yeah. well i can connect on with this on a on a variety of fronts so i do i'm going to go backwards here if i may that was great by the way um yeah. this last piece about you didn't say it maybe in these words but i'm going to translate it the way it resonated with me the the marriage if you will of of your career and your purpose in other words mm. doing something that you feel is in alignment with yourself and and what you're here to accomplish and of course putting your very best self forward as a result and so you know my coaching work which is an outgrowth of my work as an educator is is all aligned with the fact that i feel most alive when i'm not just making money and taking care of my family, but doing so in a way that's helping other people in a very direct and measurable way. So I'm a coach as well mm. and um, do trainings and things of that nature. And, and the reason I, I got into this space, I believe, is because of that there's that inner desire to help and therefore showing up every day is a lot easier because it feels like I'm in alignment. I think a lot of people feel misaligned as far as mm. what they're working on, as opposed to what they would love to be doing. And what's interesting to me is that you're in a set, in a sense, no to yes story, which is where you said, I'm not going to go into play, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into this line of work and then boom, there you are. It kind of reminded me of my own story. I was planning to go to law school and then I, I went to Israel post high school for a year of gaps, gap, a gap year for study purposes. And next thing you know, I stayed on longer and longer and I moved into education and that whole law thing, you know, went out the window, so to speak. And, you know, you, sometimes you find yourself a little bit later, but it's just interesting to me. And I'd like to hear more from you about this. If you kind of like go in gung ho, this is not going to be me because I'm going to be, I'm assuming I'm going to be different than my folks. I'm not going to follow the family tradition. I need to sort of chart my own course. How do you then fall back into it? And yeah. ultimately, how did that work out for you? Yeah, I, I think that I um I wanted to create something. I, I knew coming out of school, as a matter of fact, I knew, you know, I think my entire life I really uh showed up and 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 felt alive when I was in the process of creating something. And by that I mean, you know, starting with sketching something down from an idea and then really determining how to make that idea come and manifest itself into a reality. So I knew that. And so coming out of school, there was, there was lots of different opportunities for me out there. And so I remember at one point, I, 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 I sensed that there was a chicken wing craze coming, right? I, there was a, in, in the neighborhood that I lived, there was a place that had, I don't know, 20, 25 different flavors of chicken wings. And there wasn't any other sort of, and this was, this was what, in 98, 97. So you may see it a lot now, but at the time I said, this is brilliant. And all the local college kids love this place. And I said, you know, I want to start something like this in a different area, right? Made sense. So I went out, I did some research. I found 
um, a franchise because I didn't know anything about chicken wings or running a restaurant. And I said, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll start a franchise here. Went, visited Texas, visited what now is a very large chicken wing franchise, met with them, came back, sat down with one of my, what, what I felt was one of my uh, closest, oldest and wisest friends. And I said, hey, I'm gonna start a chicken wing franchise. And he said, you're a fool. Your core competency is staffing. And, and, and at the time I was sitting in my uh, family staffing office when I was having this conversation and he said, you know, nothing about chicken wings, you know, nothing about the restaurant business. If, you know, I tell you what, if you start a staffing business, I'm in, meaning that he was going to join me. And so I thought about that and I said, well, maybe he's right. And, and, and the thing is, and, and this is something that sort of dogged me, you know, throughout is that not necessarily trusting my own intuition as much as others. I think I think initially coming in, I I I I, I tended to lean into others that I felt were wiser, more knowledgeable, more experienced, whatever that looked like, and um and 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 take their advice almost to my own detriment. And 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 in that circumstance, it ended up working out. You know, he joined. I decided, okay, I'll torpedo the wing idea for now and we'll get into business together. We did. He didn't end up lasting very long in the business. Our friendship remained, but he realized in the first year and a half um, as a business partner that, you know, you can't really have barbecues and watch footballs, you know, on weekends because our business was event based. So he would need to be there working, you know, sometimes 10 hour days, sometimes Saturdays, sometimes Sundays. It didn't fit his lifestyle. We had a conversation about it, but at the end of the day, um, I built a, a, a good amount of resilience in the staffing business at that time. And my no um, turning into a yes ended up being a very beautiful journey that I started. And, and, I, and you know, I thanked him um, because I don't think I really had a passion for the wing business at the time. I think what I was looking at was wanting to create something, wanting to have something that I could um, support myself and others and, 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 my, and my kids. And the business that I ended up founding, which happened to be the same business that my family had been in, did very much that. And it allowed me to be able to explore what I guess he was right in terms of core, in terms of familiarity, I think, I think I had that. And I always had the core competency of wanting to connect people so I guess he was right. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the way you described it almost sounded like he should have gone into the wings business. Um, <laughs> yeah, <but> that's right. <laughs> so I do want to ask you a question because you, you touched on it, but maybe we can mm -hmm. go deeper there. This yeah. idea of trusting yourself versus those, those, um, those voices that are chirping oh, in yeah. your ear from elsewhere. What advice would you give to somebody who's starting out and they have an inner sense of where they want to go, but then they have other people? maybe more experienced yeah. than them, maybe not, who are telling them bad idea, don't go there. Yeah. What criteria might you you suggest people use? How would you suggest people approach it? Yeah, well, what I would say is this, I, um, I, would, I would, there's really one word and that word is discernment. So um, when people, uh, you know, give you information, when they provide advice, when they, when they do that, um, uh, it's, th that advice, can be very valuable. As a matter of fact, a lot of the times it is. Um, but I think what I've sort of leaned into and become more 
um, capable of doing is being able to discern advice, discern conversations, and even my own inner self-talk and distinguish it from judgment, right? And, and, and a lot of the times um, when, when I look back at some advice or even or people coming in today, I'll notice that their judgments are actually being reflected in and it's pretty, it, you know, once you really listen for a judgment, you, you, you can hear it. But, but you want to remember that uh, a judgment doesn't necessarily allow for the depth that discernment does. And so what I think about discernment, I think, well, that opens up curiosity. So in other words, Naftoli, you know, says, don't go into the staffing business. It's not good for you. And, and he has, you know, X, Y, Z reason. I can be curious about why Neftoli thinks that. Let's let's think about the reasons that he has behind that. Maybe is there validity? Is there anything there? Um, but don't use that to judge myself to to determine that you know this isn't right for me. And 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 I think as you start to explore this this type of distinction, um, you start to trust yourself more. You, you you'll make decisions. We all do inevitably that don't necessarily have the outcomes that we expected. And sometimes that the journey to discover that outcome in itself is a gift and in itself pays in rewards in the future. So, um, so yeah, I think that might be a long answer, but, but hopefully that touched on what you asked. <laughs> it did. It did. And I appreciate that. So let's talk a little bit more when it comes to, to leadership, because Look, this is a leadership podcast. I'd love to get your take on what leadership is because you've talked about leadership in different ways, maybe not directly, but there was an element of self-leadership for sure. Obviously, leadership for your family, leadership for your company or companies. So I'm curious to know, what does it mean to you and how important is it? And then I have a follow-up question for that as well, but let's take this one piece at a time here. How, how do you see leadership and how critical is it to the ultimate growth and success of both an individual and the enterprise that they lead? Yeah, so leadership um, to me is really, it's, it's an exercise of um, enrolling and really understanding and connecting with others first. Um, so it starts with the, the group or the environment that you're in and, and who you're showing up as in that environment. And what I've found is the most enrolling leaders are able to really connect with what really matters with the group or whatever whatever the leader happens to be leading, right? So once you understand what really matters to a particular group of people or a particular organization, um, really, and you have to get into the heart of the organization to, to understand that, then you can speak to that. And and let me give you a, sort of a, an example of this in, in, in a company. So what we all want as business leaders is to have long lasting team members that are regenerative, that work on their own, that grow within the company, that grow within them. So, so in order to do that, you have to tap into what really matters to these individuals, right? Because sure, people can show up to work for a paycheck. They can show up to work because it's in their career trajectory or whatever. But if you really want them to show up and you really want them to connect what their purpose is with what is it, whatever it is that you're doing. And by the way, most of the time their purpose may or may not be aligned with it, but there may be something within whatever you're building that speaks to their purpose. And the only way as a leader that you can really connect with that is to have an environment that allows for that. 
So an environment where transparency is there. And I know a lot of this is said all the time in sort of business jargon, but it really has to be an environment where pe people feel comfortable, right? And at the same time, they feel as though what matters to them is being resolved in where they're working. And it could be, you know, creative outlet. It could be an outlet where they're able to uh, produce something that, you know, uh, has them feel as though they are contributing to, uh, you know, a particular goal of a company um, at large. There's, there's, there's just so much there, but it requires who you're being as a leader to be able to, to open that up in your company or, or in your conversation or in your meeting. And, and I've seen more and more of this, mainly because the conversation is happening now, um, where leaders and and those that are in organizations, you know, managers, these types are really feeling that now in order to be able to be competitive um, as an employer or, or in an industry or in a market, you really must take on um, these type of qualities and you must put these into your company to be able to have a regenerative, regenerative group of people working for you, if that makes sense. It does. And it's interesting because it almost seems like, first of all, it's, it's, it's kind of serendipitous. I literally just posted a funny video of um, Ronald Reagan telling a story, but at the core, the message I extracted from it was this point that leaders need to create an environment where others feel comfortable and others feel comfortable mm -hmm. leading up and sharing their own perspectives. Because if not, then you have a fear-based leadership which ultimately produces a lot of mistakes besides the fact mm -hmm. that people don't want to stick around and don't feel like they're being uh, properly recognized. And that ties into, I think, the other point, which is I think that the kind of environments that people are looking for today, you know, a lot was a lot of it was sort of pinned with the millennials and whatnot. I don't think it's exclusive to them, but I think they were definitely big drivers in this shift that we see today is that people yeah. aren't only seeking the paycheck. They're not only looking for a place where right. they can hunker down. In fact, people transition more and more rapidly than ever before. And so they're looking for all the other elements. Will I have an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution? Will I be able to share what's on my mind? Will there be opportunities for growth in other, in other ways? And so by providing that, you are now in a situation where you can Really, and you, you're coming in from it from a staffing angle, which I think is really neat. You know, you're, you're really now able to say this is a differentiator for us. Mm. This is we're not just competing with you, you know, in terms of who can pay the most money. We're competing in terms of what kind of environment are we creating? And if you're doing it correctly and you emphasize it for many people, it won't even be competition because That's fundamentally right. they'll see that is their primary driver. That's in the, right. In the big picture. Absolutely. And actually, you know, in, in our industry, for example, which is hospitality, that's the industry that my company currently services, um, went through a massive, massive, massive impact through the COVID, right? I mean, we didn't sure. know if the industry was coming back. Most of the line level employees who weren't able to find work in the industry moved on, whether they went into, you know, driving for Uber or whether they went into, you know, Amazon, which at the time was hiring um, at a massive scale, um, a lot of them learned that um, the, 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 the reason for them maybe shifting over was obviously to be able to earn a living, earn a paycheck. But as they went and they worked for the Amazons of the world and, 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 and started to realize that, 
there was those offline items, those non-monetary related items about hospitality that had them feel as though they were achieving something, supporting, they were creating something, right? Wasn't available in the world of Amazon where you're being tracked and you're putting, you know, you know, this into this box and moving it on, right? Or, or whatever that looked like. And so a lot of the feedback I got from our employees that did that shift was they were so happy when the industry came back. And even though sometimes the pay was slightly less, um, they found that coming back together in the, in the world of hospitality, being able to be of service, being able to, you know, create events or be a part of creating an event and, um, and all of that really brought them back, frankly, in droves. And so we found a lot of our um, old employees were happy to be back in an environment that they felt better suited them. Um, and so that was, that was right what we're talking about. That was a great example of that right there. So it wasn't necessarily just the money um, that was attracting people to this industry. Okay. So if you could go back to your 25-year-old self, give him a couple of pieces of advice. What would you tell him? I tell him to not take things so seriously. Um, I tell him that things resolve themselves, things work themselves out. Um, I would tell him to, um, the time that he's spending with his family and the time that he's spending with work, um, make sure to balance those two things. And that no matter the amount of success you gain, it, you know, in terms of financial or in terms of status, um, be sure to work on um, how you feel about yourself and really, and use discernment in the way that you um, speak to yourself. Um, and, and, and I know at the time I had a, I had a ray, I had a fire under me for success and for, you know, achievement and for winning and winning and winning. And, um, and, you know, that, although that's, you know, there, there's definitely some, um, uh, there's definitely juice behind that in terms of life. Um, at the end of that race, there's some emptiness there. So, so be sure to take care of yourself along the way. Awesome. And let's now move it from you, you giving yourself advice to the, the, the best as well as the worst advice you were ever given. Ah, the best or, or the worst advice I was ever given. Well, I think some of the best advice that I was given was to let things go. And, um, and the faster you let things go, the sooner more things will show up that will either take the place or be even better than whatever you're letting go. So, um, so that was really great advice um, that I got that just came to, to mind now. And let's see, the worst advice, <laughs> the worst advice that I've gotten. Um, well, I've gotten, you know, from ex-bosses in the past, I've gotten advice that was, um, and I actually got this also from a trainer early on when I was doing some physical training, was no pain, no gain. Um, that at the time, I thought that was great advice. Um, but reflecting upon it, that advice suggests that you you don't you 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 pay attention to the pain as if that will somehow um, make you stronger. And what I've realized is that no, pain is an alert mechanism to have you 
you know, reflect on or, or, or see where something may be in need of adjustment. And m- most of my growth necessarily hasn't come through pain. My learning sometimes has come through pain, but most of my growth has come when I've been open to receive whatever it is that um, moment needed to be received. To me, that was a much more salient and pragmatic type of advice. Wow. I love the letting go piece because, um, you know, I talk about a lot of the same points that you were making throughout your our conversation. My first book, which is called Becoming the New Boss, really walks people through how to step into leadership, how to avoid many of the pitfalls that leaders often experience and then have a hard time fixing, so to speak, on the back end because they've already created so many problems. And so it's to help people hit the ground running and enjoy sustained success. And my my journey was a school leadership journey, which did not end the way I wanted it to. I learned much from it and that entire experience taught me a ton. But one of the pieces that can be very difficult is if you feel that you were wronged in some kind of way, whether as you weren't renewed or um, you were you were told you know, something that you felt was hurtful, whatever it is, holding on to it is the natural thing because often we feel that if I hold on to it, I'm getting them back. The reality is they've moved on. They're not thinking about it anymore. You're holding it still. It's only holding you back. So being able to let it go and be able to move on as a result and say, what did I learn from this? I know it's hard because you have to, you sort of have to remove yourself from it and look at it more objectively. But that was extremely powerful for me. And a lot of my Mm -hmm. work in leadership and performance coaching was only feasible in my mind because of that experience and what I, what, what I chose to extract from it rather than to harp on. So I really love that. Mm. I do have one final question. We do have to transition to our next segment shortly, but this is my final question. I know you've hit on a bunch of these already. What would you say was your biggest mistake thus far in your career slash life and how have you grown from it? Uh, um, I would say my biggest mistake in life um, was really putting in in, in a uh, a lot of, energy and focus on my career, sometimes at the detriment of family, like assuming that the, um, you know, the abundance that I may create out of a successful career would somehow immediately translate to an abundance of love and security and safety for my family. And and I, I realized later on, yeah, that was a huge mistake because what the family needed at the time wasn't you know, a, a, you know, a father who was bringing in loads and loads of cash to be able to bring more things home during the holidays, but more of time and attention and, um, and, uh, presence, which is something that is, um, somewhat, uh, finite if you have it, uh, directed towards creating, you know, a business or, or whatever. So really kind of bringing that, creating boundaries, um, is something that I would have put in place. And I think I didn't have enough boundaries around my career. So that was a mistake that um, I've now, I believe, corrected. Okay. I'm still in process of correcting. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. So now we're going to transition to rapid fire where the answers are short and succinct, even though I'm sure you could unpack all of these. The first one is a tip to stay current and keep learning. Um. A tip to stay current and keep learning is, um, well, these days podcasts 
um, have a lot of information and there's lots of ways to be able to bookmark, alert yourself. So having, you know, podcasts that are uh, expansive, that are potentially around subjects that you want to learn more about, listening to those and then creating alerts around those um, is one way to be sort of on top of things. I found that, you know, the podcast world, ah, I'll be short. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you. let's so let's move on <laughs> to the next one. If you were being repositioned from CEO to sports coach, which sport would you want to coach in? Uh, it would be let's call it football. Okay, fair enough. The kind of books that you read? Um, fiction, science fiction. Nice. Okay, your favorite thing that is worth one hundred dollars or less? Uh, um. Concert T-shirt. <laughs> Which concert? Uh, Rolling Stones. Nice. Okay. And finally, a productivity tip that helps you to get more done. Mm. Um, I have an app called uh, uh, Positive Intelligence Quotient, and um, I it's it's excellent for it. I'd absolutely re recommend it. PQ. Okay, I was about to say we need a shorter version for that name. Okay, <laughs> so awesome. This, this has been a great conversation. Alex, if you could let people know how they can connect with you, learn more about your work, yeah, and uh, keep following you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyone interested in learning more about me, please feel free to go to Alex Atwood. That's A-L-E-X-A-T-1-T-W-O-O-D, as in David, dot co. That's my website. I'm um, I'm also uh, CEO of a company called Gravy Work. You can go to gravywork.com if you want to learn more about that. Um, and that company services the hospitality industry with an on-demand platform. Um, and finally, I am uh, involved with the Third Wave Psychedelic Community. Um, and so you can check out third wave, you can Google it thirdwave.co, I believe the third wave. Um, I'm certified to coach through that as well. So nice. those are some ways you can contact me. Feel free to Google and thanks so much, Naftali. Pleasure. Okay. Before I let you go, by the way, we will have all of those links up in the show notes, whatever you shared with us. So finally, before we wrap up our conversation, the question I ask all of my guests is to please leave us with one final life lesson. Mm. Um, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. It's very short and um, be sure to let things go. So enjoy the ride and let things go and life awesome. will be sweet. <laughs> Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so Thank much you. for coming on today, for sharing your wisdom, your experiences. I know I asked some questions that kind of peeled back the onion, so to speak, a little bit and uh, putting out there some of our challenges as well as our successes can be can be a bit of a challenge, but you really stepped up and showed us uh, the power of awareness, of vulnerability, of uh, connection, um, uh, many areas that I think are really, really resonate and are relevant to everybody who's listening. So thanks again, Alex. And I certainly look forward to getting to know you better and uh, finding ways to connect further in the future. Mm, thank you, Nasali. Had a great time. Awesome. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you can lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your feedback gives the show more social proof and encourages more folks to listen. 